re-kicking off judges with a bang in the story of Abimelech. But we're going to be reading um, Judges 8.29 all the way through 10.5. It is the longest passage of Scripture I've ever preached on. And if you will, would you grant me a little grace as we do something a little unorthodox for, for how we typically do preaching. Um, I think it is vitally important that the Word of God in its entirety be read. But reading 70 verses, roughly 70 verses by me, and then preaching on those 70 verses in one, it's not easy. So the unorthodox reality of this morning is that I'm going to break it up into five, essentially, scenes. I call them three parts, um, but the third part's going to have three different scenes, thus five different scenes that we'll look at today. And so I've asked... Five different men in the church to come up and read passages of script, the passages of our text today. I want you to kind of go along with the story. That's the whole purpose. It's a story that's given to us. And so the reason we're reading the entire uh, passage is that this is the Bible. And this Bible tells a story. And we want to listen to that story. So we're going to let the whole story be told. But before we do that, before I call up Rory to read the first passage of Scripture, let me give you a little introduction. A fable is a story that at its end provides moral guidance to those who listen. This morning, the story we will study is not technically a fable, but it does strike our senses and provide us with moral guidance at its end. Therefore, I find it very fitting to call this story a fable. Now, the fable at hand consists of two particular groups or people. One, a man named Abimelech, and of God's people from the area called Shechem. As is the case with most fables, it's a great tragedy, both for Abimelech and for Shechem. There's deception, backstabbing, foolishness, death, lots and lots of death. It is truly a tragedy through and through. So the reason for the tragedy comes from one common source, both in Shechem and Abimelech. And that source is self-reliance. Therefore, today's sermon is titled, The Fable of Self-Reliance. Reliance. I need not articulate in great detail how self-reliance is a common theme amongst us all. It just simply is. It is my hope that as the story unfolds, you might encounter just how prevalent self-reliance is in your life. And I think that that's a good thing. Because it is my hope that you turn from your self-reliance and turn unto God this morning. It is my hope that you avoid the mistake of Abimelech and the people of Shechem. In being self-reliant. Again, today's passage is a lengthy one, and I've divided it into three parts, five different scenes. And each scene will describe an aspect of self-reliance. So, with that being said, I want to ask that you sit back, relax, and enjoy the fable of self-reliance. And we're going to begin by reading part one, titled, Self-Reliance's Foundation. Mr. Rick Yates, would you come up and read the first part? Gideon, also named Jerobel, the son of Joash, went and lived in his own house. Now Gideon had 70 sons, his own offspring, for he had many wives. And his concubine, who was in Shechem, also bore him a son, and he called his name Abimelech. And Gideon, the son of Joash, died in a good old age and was buried in the tomb of Joash, his father, at Orpha of the Abizarites. As soon as Gideon died, the people of Israel turned again and whored after the Baals and made Baal Bareth their god. 
And the people of Israel did not remember the Lord their God, who had delivered them from the hand of all their enemies on every side. And they did not show steadfast love to the family of Jeroboam, that is Gideon, in return for all the good that he had done to Israel. Now Abimelech, the son of Jeroboam, went to Shechem, to his mother's relatives, and said to them, and to the whole clan of his mother's family, Say in the ears of all the leaders of Shechem, which is better for you, that all seventy of the sons of Jeroboam rule over you, or that one rule over you? Remember also that I am your bone and your flesh. So part one, self-reliance's foundation. At the center of the story is a man named Abimelech. Abimelech, in, if you translate it out of Hebrew and into the English, means my father is king. But here's the thing about Abimelech. His father wasn't king. His father, which was referred to as Jerubbabel, is named Gideon. It's another name that, that's given to him. And in Judges chapter 8, Gideon himself turns down the title of king and says that the Lord should rule over Israel. So isn't this a strange name to give to a son? What do you think this would have done to Abimelech? To have as your name, my father is king. When the father isn't actually a king. On top of his odd name, Abimelech is an illegitimate child of Gideon. His mother was a concubine in Shechem. And his father, therefore, lived in another area of this country. And there's something different than, than the 70 sons of Gideon. Indeed, Abimelech would have been an outsider for Gideon. He would have hurt. He would have been different. In this culture, he would have been unable to receive the inheritance that his father would have given his children. So being in Shechem, having a strange name, he would have been a little different, don't you think? Consider the details that I've just shared with you that are right from Scripture, what this would have done to a child like Abimelech. Consider the psyche that would have created for him. It is simply a recipe for someone who has only themselves to depend on. It's a recipe, dare I say, a foundation for a self-reliant life. I want you to hear this. The foundation of a self-reliant life so often comes from the stories of our youth and childhood. It's true in Abimelech, and it's true for you and me. What from your childhood drives your self-reliance? Is it a statement made by your mom or dad? Is it an action done to you by a significant other, maybe a coach or teacher? So often the foundation of our self-reliance, of depending only on ourselves, pushing away God, comes from the wisdom or wounds of our childhood. This is the reason why counselors and therapists are so often returning to our childhood to explore the patterns of our self-reliance that bring us trouble in our current life. It doesn't take a trained therapist, therefore, to see that Abimelech has some significant problems from his childhood that leads him into self-reliance. We can see this in Abimelech, but the question is, can you see the foundation of your self-reliance in your childhood? Indeed, seeing that is a key to being free of your self-reliance. So part one, what we've just read, consists of self-reliance's foundation. We now turn to part two, self-reliance's folly. And for that, I invite Nathan Cantu to read Judges 9, 3 through 21.
mother and his mother's relatives spoke all these words on his behalf in the ears of all the leaders of Shechem, and their hearts inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, He is our brother. And they gave him seventy pieces of silver out of the house of Baal-Bareth, which Abimelech hired worthless and reckless fellows who followed him. And he went to his father's house at Orpah, and killed his brothers, the sons of Jerubbaal, seventy men on one stone. But Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubbaal, was left, for he hid himself. And all the leaders of Shechem came together, and at Beth Milo, and they came and went and made Abimelech king by the oak of the pillar at Shechem. When it was told to Jotham, he went and stood on top of Mount Gerizim and cried aloud and said to them, Listen to me, you leaders of Shechem, that God may listen to you. The trees once went out to anoint a king over them, and they said to the olive tree, Reign over us. But the olive tree said to them, Shall I leave my abundance, by which gods and men are honored, and gold holds sway over the trees? And the trees said to the fig tree, You come and reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, Shall I leave my sweetness and my good fruit, and go hold sway over the trees? And the trees said to the vine, You come and reign over us. But the vine said to them, Shall I leave my wine that cheers God and men, and go hold sway over the trees? Then all the trees said to the bramble, You come and reign over us. And the bramble said to the trees, If in good faith you are anointing me king over you, then come and take refuge in my shade. But if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. Now therefore, if you acted in good faith and integrity when you made Abimelech king, and if you have dealt well with Jerubbaal in his house and have done to him as his deeds deserve, for my father fought for you and risked his life and delivered you from the hand of Midian, and you have risen up against my father's house this day, and have killed his son, seventy men on one stone, and have made Abimelech, the son of his female servant, king over the leaders of Shechem, because he is your relative. If you have then acted in good faith and integrity with Jerubbaal and his house this day, then rejoice in Abimelech, and let him also rejoice in you. But if not, let fire come out from Abimelech, and devour the leaders of Shechem and Beth Milo. Let fire come out from the leaders of Shechem and Beth Milo, and devour Abimelech. And Jotham ran away and fled and went to Beer and lived there because of Abimelech, his brother. Part two, self-reliance is folly. What is folly here? Well, folly, we see, comes from two different places, Abimelech and Shechem. Abimelech's folly comes from his thinking that he can take the rightful kingship of Israel. And to do this, he will kill 70 of his rightful brothers. And this is what he does. Now Shechem also is foolish in thinking that, hey, yeah, this illegitimate son of Gideon can be king. And oh, we can take 70 pieces of silver from a god, Baal Barith, and give it to him so that he might hire foolish workers who will help accomplish these things. They're in cahoots together. And so this cahoot takes place. Abimelech and his foolish men go and, and kill Gideon's 70 sons except for one, Jotham. They think it's all well. And they make him king. Oh, this is great. But of course, Jotham gets away. And he comes and he prophesies on Mount Gerizim, telling them this really interesting parable. Now, to, to cut the parable short, I will. But what it's basically saying is, you decided to go with the bramble over fruitful trees. And if, in choosing this, and forgetting Gideon, and forgetting all these things, fire is coming to you. 
fire is coming to you. I want you to see the foolishness, though, of Abimelech and Shechem. See this from my perspective, our perspective. They think that killing the sons of Jerubal will clear the way for Abimelech to rule Israel. And that Shechem will then be influential in the decision-making of Israel. Shechem will receive glory with Abimelech, and they will all be happy. Of course, they didn't anticipate Jotham getting away. In some regards, this teaches them, and it teaches us, that they have forgotten that God is greater than them. And this is the folly, ultimately, of self-reliance. If you want to have a, a simple statement of what self-reliance is and why it is absolutely foolish, it's this. Self-reliance teaches us, or deceives us, that we have the power to control the consequences of our actions. I'm going to say that again. Self-reliance deceives us in teaching us that we have the ability to control the consequences of our actions. We think that wisdom in history doesn't apply to us. That's what self-reliance teaches us. That history and wisdom doesn't apply to us. It might apply to others. But me? Oh, absolutely not. I am greater than that. This is ultimately the epitome of pride, though. And Jotham's prophecy essentially illustrates this age-old wisdom. If you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. You know, we can all, all, often be deceived in our decision-making process, can't we not? We think that we indeed will be above the consequences or that we will push the consequences to later on in life and we'll deal with them there. But here's the thing about our self-reliance. You cannot escape its consequences. You are just one of, one of billions of people in this world. It doesn't matter how powerful you are. You are still one of billion. Self-reliant actions <coughs> ripple into today and echo into eternity. We must remember this. Abimelech and the people of Shechem, they forgot it. They forgot that they weren't God, and they never will be. They forgot they are just a few people in this world. I think it is important that we turn to this and recognize that indeed self-reliant is ultimately foolish. And in, in recognizing this, this is the beginning of turning from our self-reliance and turning unto God. To see that indeed it is absolutely foolish. Oh, that we would hear and see the foolishness of Abimelech and Shechem and see that indeed we need to turn unto God. It is foolish. So having considered the first two parts of Abimelech's story, we now move to part three of our fable. And in this part, we will see self-reliance as fruit. We saw self-reliance as foundation. We've seen self-reliance as folly. Now we will see self-reliance as fruit. I've broken this set part up into three scenes, and scene one will be read by Blake Reed. We will look at Judges 9, 22 through 25. Abimelech ruled over Israel three years, and God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the leaders of Shechem and the leaders of Shechem. And the leaders of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech, that the violence done to the seventy sons of Jerubbaal might come and their blood be laid on Abimelech, their brother, who killed them, and on the men of Shechem, who strengthened his hands to kill his brothers. <coughs> and the leaders of Shechem put men in ambush against him 
on the mountaintops, and they robbed all who passed by them along the way, and it was told to Abimelech. So self-reliance is fruit. What's the fruit of self-reliance? Well, in this first scene, we see that the fruit of self-reliance is simply this. Life is difficult. In this first scene, Abimelech and Shechem begin to be at odds with one another. So frustrated does Shechem get with Abimelech that they set up robbers on the outskirts of town to ambush people that are coming into the city. They did this to demonstrate this fact, that Abimelech could not rule the city safely. What we have to see, though, what we have to see in this is that you begin to live self-reliantly, chaos is going to break out, and life is going to be difficult. Again, you can't control the consequences. And this is what happened. Shechem became frustrated with Abimelech, and they began working against him. Let me ask you this. Can you relate to this? That in your self-reliance, that life becomes a lot more difficult. Let's just take lying, for example. You lie one time, now you have to build a whole story in line with that lie. You know the story. The lies just kind of avalanche on you, and they start building up. If you rely on yourself and the story that you create to manipulate the people in your world, it's going to get increasingly difficult to stay with that story, to corroborate that. You see, that's what self-reliance does. The fruit of self-reliance is a difficult life. Abimelech knew that because the people of Shechem turned against him. Shechem knew that because they made Abimelech king. So the first fruit of self-reliance is difficulty and frustration. We now turn to scene two, and I'll ask Jake Thompson to come up. In scene two, we will see this story continue to unfold. And Gaal, the son of Ebed, moved into Shechem with his relatives, and the leaders of Shechem put confidence in him. And they went out into the field and gathered the grapes from their vineyards, and trod them, and held a festival. And they went to the house of their god, and ate and drank, and reviled Abimelech. And Gaal, the son of Ebed, said, Who is Abimelech, and who are we of Shechem that we should serve him? Is, is he not the son of Jerubbabel, and is not Zebul his officer? Serve the men of Hamor, the father of Shechem. But why should we serve him? Would that his people were under my hand? Then I would remove Abimelech. I would say to Abimelech, increase your army and come out. When Zebul, the ruler of the city, heard the words of Gaal, the son of Ebed, his anger was kindled, and he sent messengers to Abimelech secretly, saying, Behold, Gaal, the son of Ebed, and his relatives have come to Shechem, and they are stirring up the city against you. Now therefore go by night, you and the people who are with you, and set an ambush in the field. Then in the morning, as soon as the sun is up, rise early and rush upon the city. And then he and the people who are with him come out against you. You may do to them as your hand finds to do. So Abimelech and all the men who were with him rose up by night and set an ambush against Shechem in four companies. And Gaal, the son of Ebed, went out and stood in the entrance of the gate of the city. And Abimelech and the people who were with him rose from the ambush. And when Gaal saw the people, he said to Zebul, Look, people are coming down from the mountaintops. And Zebul said to him, You mistake, the shadow of the mountain for men. Gaal spoke again and said, Look, people are coming down from the center of the land. 
and one company is coming from the direction of the diviner's oak. Then Zebul said to him, Where is your mouth now, you who said, Who is Abimelech, that we should serve him? Are not these the people whom you despised? Go out now and fight with them. And Gaal went out at the head of the leaders of Shechem and fought with Abimelech. And Abimelech chased him, and he fled before him, and many fell wounded up to the entrance of the gate. And Abimelech lived at Aruma, and Zebul drove out Gaal and his relatives, so that they could not dwell at Shechem. Scene two of part three, looking at the fruit of our self-reliance. The fruit of this section is simply this, deception and chaos. You are self-reliant, you will experience deception and chaos. A man named Gaul moves into Shechem, and the leaders of Shechem see him and say, let's put our confidence in him. And after a night of partying, Gaul confidently says, who's Abimelech? Would that this people be under my hand? Now, a man named Zabul, a ruler of the city, hears this and deceptively goes to Abimelech, who's their king. And he tells Abimelech what's happening and tells him to ambush the people of Shechem who have deceptively worked against him. Abimelech does that. Abimelech comes to Shechem in four companies and attacks, and they attack and chaos ensues. Gaul is then chased out of town, as was his relatives. We see in this story that the fruit of self-reliance is deception and chaos for all the parties involved. Look, we can foolishly think we are God and continue to rely on ourselves. But if we do this, the fruit of our lives will be this, deception and chaos. People working against you and creating chaos or you're working deception and chaos on your own self. Shechem was deceived in thinking he could replace Abimelech with someone else. But Abimelech brought chaos and taught them that's not how it's going to work with him. This is what self-reliance brings about. But there's one last piece of fruit that we must see of self-reliance. And we now turn to scene three of part three. And I want to invite Nick Neighbors to come and read this part. We'll be reading Judges 9, 42 through 57. On the following day, the people went out into the field, and Abimelech was told. He took his people and divided them into three companies and set an ambush in the fields. And he looked and saw the people coming out of the city. So he rose against them and killed them. Abimelech and the company that was with him rushed forward and stood at the entrance of the gate of the city, while the two companies rushed upon all who were in the field and killed them. And Abimelech fought against the city all that day. He captured the city and killed the people, killed the people who were in it, and he razed the city and sowed it with salt. When all the leaders of the Tower of Shechem heard of it, they entered the stronghold of the house of Elbereth. Abimelech was told that all the leaders of the Tower of Shechem were gathered together. And Abimelech went up to Mount Zalmon, and he and the people, he and all the people who were with him. And Abimelech took an axe in his hand and cut down a bundle of brushwood and took it up and laid it on his shoulder. And he said to the men who were with him, What you have seen me do, hurry and do as I have done. So every one of the people cut down his bundle and following Abimelech, put it against the stronghold, and they set the stronghold on fire over them, so that all the people of the Tower of Shechem also died, about a thousand men and women. Then Abimelech went to Tebez and encamped against Tebez and captured it. But there was a strong tower within the city, and all the men and women and all the leaders of the city fled to it and shut themselves in, and they went up to the roof of the tower. And Abimelech came to the tower and fought against it and drew near to the door of the tower to burn it with fire. And a certain woman threw an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. 
Then he quickly called the young man his armor bearer and said to him, Draw your sword and kill me, lest they say of me a woman killed him. And his young man thrust him through and he died. And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, everyone departed to his home. Thus God returned the evil of Abimelech, which he committed against his father in killing his 70 brothers. And God also made all the evil of the men of Shechem return on their heads and came upon them the curse of Jotham, the son of Jerubbabel. Part three, scene three, the fruit of self-reliance. The fruit of self-reliance ultimately is this, it's destruction. Consider again the story we just read. After Abimelech chased Gaul out of town, the people of Shechem immediately go back into their fields, thinking it's all well, Abimelech, you're king again. But Abimelech, tasting blood for the deception that the Shechemites gave to him, begins to kill them. The killing is so severe that the people head to the tower in the town, the tower representing their god, Baal Barith. And the text says there, at least a thousand people gather in it. But the bramble, the one Jotham prophesied about, sets fire to the tower. And a thousand people are destroyed in this act. Abimelech, still thirsty for blood, then goes to a nearby town called Thebes and begins an assault against them. And like the people of Shechem, they run into their tower for protection. Abimelech begins the process of burning this tower down. But in this moment, a woman on the upper part of this tower takes a millstone, a stone that was used to ground wheat during this time. And she throws it out the window and it lands on Abimelech. He doesn't initially die, but he knows that he is soon to die. And so as to avoid the shameful death of a, by a woman, he asks his armor bearer to thrust a sword through him. He is destroyed. So I want you to see this. In being self-reliant, Shechem is absolutely and utterly destroyed. In being self-reliant, Abimelech is absolutely and utterly destroyed. This is what happens with those who are self-reliant. They are ultimately destroyed. But I want you to see this. The story does not end with just the destruction. It ends, ends with a note. A note from the author. Verses 56 and 57. Thus God returned the evil of Abimelech, which committed against his father in killing his 70 brothers. And God also made all the evil of men of Shechem return on their heads, and upon them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Jerubal. The ultimate destruction of self-reliance is the relationship with God. If you rely on yourself, you will experience the great judgment of God. That is what this story teaches. Our self-reliance is an abhorrent behavior to God. It is thumbing our nose at God, and it will ultimately lead to our destruction. We don't like to hear this. You rely on yourself, and the fires of hell come to us. That word fire is used multiple times in this story. But we must live in a healthy fear of God, church. That is why this story is here. And it should fear, strike fear in our heart and move us to say, I must evaluate my self-reliance. Now, all of us are self-reliant. And it begs the question, who can rescue us from our self-reliance? 
Who can rescue us from our attempts to control our lives? All of us have been hurt in our childhood. All of us demonstrate ways and reasons why we're self-reliant. We only have ourselves to rely on. Who will rescue us from the fruit that comes from our ignorant ways? From our self-reliant ways? Who? Who will do it? It is only but God. There's only one way, and that is God. And God provides the way. He provides the way for Israel. If I can have you look one last time at the text, Judges chapter 10. It is a very unique and, and interesting like, text in here. But in this story, Judges 10, 1 through 5, it's a short story of two judges. And it is so quick. And what's the point? Who's going to save Israel from themselves? God and his judges. Israel tried to bring their judge in Abimelech themselves, and he brought destruction. But God raised up Tyre and Joel, and he brings them peace. Roughly 50 years of peace. So who's going to save us from our self-reliance? It's God. It is God. God would eventually bring another judge, not Tyre and Joel. He would bring Jesus. And to those who turn from their self-reliant ways, acknowledging the true nature of their actions and its devastating consequences, and allow Jesus to be the one who receives upon himself the consequences that we deserve, and allowing him to pay on our behalf, and trusting him, those who turn to Jesus, the one God provides, as he did for Israel, will experience the peace that comes. Church, the fable of self-reliance teaches us that we are all self-reliant, but that we have a God who, is, who will save us, and he has saved us through Jesus. So church, we are not doomed if we turn to him. God brings us salvation through Jesus Christ. Turn from your self-reliant ways, and unto him, and you too will be saved. That is the lesson of the fable of self-reliance. Would you pray with me? Lord, we give thanks for such an odd story that you provided in Scripture. Indeed, it reveals to us how we are called to live. And indeed, the ways we are called to live is to live in faith, trusting you, that you indeed can heal our wounds from our childhood, that you indeed can change the ways of our life by being dependent on you and walking by faith. Oh, that we would be a people that trust you and walk by faith, not by our own will, not by our own conscience, not by our own decision-making, but according to your word and your ways. We give thanks for Jesus, who forgive, gives us forgiveness of sins. Indeed, we are all guilty of self-reliance. We are filled with pride. And we give thanks for Jesus that makes all of this possible. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.